ahead and take our Bibles here tonight. We'll turn to the book of Judges once again here tonight. Again, last week we looked at a people proved by God, and we've seen some instruments that God used at that time. In the book of Judges, he used, again, these different nations that were in the land there as, again, uh, instruments to prove the people, whether they'll, again, stick with God and, and stand with God. Uh, we looked at the reason for the proving to see what was in their heart and also to prepare them for spiritual battle and also real battle, as it mentions there in verse number two, only the children of the generations of Israel might know to teach them war, at least such as before knew nothing thereof. And so, again, was training them also for combat or war. We see a fail in, the ear in their proving. They intermarried. They fell into idolatry, and they forgot God. But yet God in his mercy extended a mercy to them. In verse number 9, it says, And when the children of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenes, Caleb's younger brother, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged and went out to war. And the Lord delivered the uh, Shushath, the rim, a king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against this king. Uh, tonight, we're going to just continue on here. Uh, we're going to start in verse number 12, read to the end of the chapter, as we consider a man here largely tonight, and what happened with a particular man here. Um, we're going to consider here tonight, Ehud, a crafty and courageous deliverer. Ehud, a crafty and courageous deliverer. We'll begin here in verse number 12. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because he had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to the offer of the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries and, uh, that were by Gilgal and uh, said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king. And he said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him, and Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in the summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he rose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand, and took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the half also went in after the blade, and the fat closed on the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Then Ehod went forth through the porch, 
and shut the doors of the parlor upon them and locked them. When he was gone, his servants came, and when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, Surely he covereth his feet in his summer chamber. And they tarried there till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Uh, therefore, they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down, dead on the earth. He had escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped to Seraph. And uh, it came to pass when he was come that he brew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount, and he before them. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew them. Sue of Moab at that time about 10,000 men all lusty and all men of valor and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest four score years. I'll stop there here tonight as we consider some thoughts on Ehud, a crafty and courageous man. Let's pray as we consider this man here tonight. Father, thank you again for the Bible here tonight. Again, thank you for this account in the Bible, somewhat mysterious in nature, I believe, again, to uh, some here tonight as we consider this man of courage and also one who, again, was really a little bit sneaky in some ways. Again, just ask, Lord, that you just uh, help us again to consider this man here tonight, consider the Word of God and some things we can learn from this account. We pray this in Jesus' name for sake. Amen. Again, we're going to have the second of the deliverers that we are uh, we see here in the book of Judges here introduced to us here tonight. And as we look at him tonight, I like to look at Eod as a crafty yet courageous man. As a, as a deliverer, you'll see again an assortment of different deliverers in the book of Judges here tonight. And again, Ehod being one of the better of the Judges. In this time in history, we see, first of all, in this passage or this account that we consider here tonight, a wayward course led by the Israelites again. You see, after 80 years, uh, sorry, 40 years, verse number 11, of them doing pretty well, for sure, under Othniel, uh, they consider and take a different course again here in life. But it's a repeated course here also, as it mentions there in verse number uh, 12, it says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And you see God's people here choose a wayward course again. They did evil again, it says there in verse number 12. This pattern of turning away from God and what was right there's a repeated course that you find here in the book of Judges. It's like a cycle that continues over and over again. Back in chapter 2, verse number 19, Judges 2, verse 19, it says, And it came to pass when the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow out unto them. And they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. 
Look at verse number 11. It talks about when the judge dies. Verse 11, the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, son of Kenes, died. As soon as Othniel died, it appears here in the Bible that they began a course of going back to idolatry, going back to intermarriage, going back to doing those things that are contrary to the word of God and forgetting God, just like we see there earlier in the chapter. Again, let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. I just want to show you this kind of pattern. I will continue here throughout the book of Judges, but it certainly, uh, again, uh, happened here, again, in this passage of scriptures. Uh, turn through the Kings and then Chronicles, and you have Ezra, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9, and uh, verse number 23. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 23. We look at here a little record of the history recorded by Nehemiah. And uh, it, it gives us some thoughts on maybe uh, what would have happened during this time. And uh, again, how things happened the way they happened because of their turning away from God. Nehemiah chapter 9, in verse number 23, it says, Their children also uh, multipliest thou as the stars of heaven and broughtest them into the land concerning which thou hast promised to their fathers that they should go and, and possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land, and thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land, that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities and fat land and possessed the houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards, olive yards, and fruit trees in, all, in abundance, so they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in the great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew uh, thy prophets, which testified against them to turn them to thee. And they wrought great provocations. Therefore, they delivered them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them. And in time of trouble, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors, who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore left them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet they returned and cried unto thee, and thou heardest them from heaven. And many times didst thou deliver them according to to thy mercies, and thou testified against them, that thou mayest bring them again unto thy law, yet they dealt proudly, and hearkened not to the commandments, but sinned against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them, and withdrew the shoulder, and hardened their neck, and would not hear. Yet many years did thou forbear them, and testified against them, by the spirit of the prophets, yet they would not give ear, Therefore gavest thou them into the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. Here in the book of Nehemiah, it kind of talks about this cycle. This cycle of them being delivered. This cycle of them being oppressed. This cycle that continued over and over again in the book of Judges. Let's turn to Psalm 106. The Psalms also talk about this cycle 
And they needed someone who would deliver them. And God would raise up another. Othniel raised up, and now Ehud raised up to help God's people as they were oppressed by their enemies. Psalm 106, verse number 35, it says here, But they mingled among the heathen and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons, their daughters unto devils. They shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed on the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a-whoring after their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, inasmuch as he abhorred his own inheritance. He gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel. They were brought low with their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded them in their affliction when he heard their cry. And uh, so we see in the Bible, they take this wayward course. Let's go back there, if we could, uh, to the book of Judges. Now, God's people, Israel, decided to take a wayward course again. And they fell into the same trap and fell into the same place that they fell before. Except for this time, it was worse. Last time they suffered, according to verse 8, eight years of oppression. They were oppressed by, again, the, the leader there of Mesopotamia there, Shushasherim, eight years. And then what followed there is, uh, again, a longer service or subjection to the enemies. You find there in verse number 14, it says, So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. And so they got in this trap of doing that which is wrong, and they suffered for it. And as a result of them going contrary to the Word of God, they, again, were chastened severely for it. Instead of just eight years of suppression and servitude under, again, evil authorities, they suffered 18 years. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 26. A wayward course leads to oppression, it leads to, again, God's chastening. We see this here in the scriptures. This happened with God's people over and over again as they knew better to do different things, but yet they chose to do things that God was displeased with, and God would send, again, nations to chasten them as a result of that. And again, I just want to read back here in Leviticus chapter 26, just kind of showing you, again, this this pattern of God proving Israel and uh, how they turned from Israel. I, I'm sorry, how Israel turned away from God and what would happen as a result. And so look at verse number 13 of Leviticus 26. It says, I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you to go upright. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do according to these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, and if your soul abhor my judgments so that you will not do my commandments, but you break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and burning ague, that 
shall consume the eyes and shall sorrow the heart. You shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no man pursueth. And if you will not yet for all these hearken to me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens as iron, your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the truths of the land yield their fruits. And if you will walk contrary to me and will not hearken to me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. It goes on and says some other things, but you find here God told them ahead of time, before they went into the land, that he would chasten them if they decide to turn from him. Let's turn to Judges chapter 3. So we see, first of all, the wayward course chosen by the people of Israel. But also we see a repentant cry given by the people of Israel. You see this in Judges chapter 3, verse number 15. It says, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them, raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gerar, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. By him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. And so we see a repentant cry take place. As a result of this cry taking place, God would raise up another deliverer. Again, this guy was by the name of Ehud. I don't know anybody of that name, but the name means to be one or to be united. And so Ehud there, again, is again the, again, the deliverer that God would raise up. And uh, he is actually the great-grandson of Benjamin. Again, I'm not going to have you turn to those passages here tonight, but if you're taking notes, 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 10, and 1 Chronicles chapter 8, verse number 6, would show you him to be the great-grandson of Benjamin, Joseph, Benjamin, and the rest of the brothers. And so God raised up a deliverer, but it's interesting in the Bible, God raised up a deliverer, which God in his word makes note of. It says of this deliverer, he was left-handed. He was a man left-handed. He was a Benjaminite. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, but he was left-handed. He was not right-handed. Many people are right-handed, and there are people that are left-handed. And many times, maybe somebody thinks, you know, a right-handed person or a left-handed person has certain strengths or lacks of strength, whatever it might be. But it's interesting in the Bible that it mentions, again, this deliver being left-handed. There's some that believe that he might well have been someone who was amidextric, but he used his left hand now because his right hand was hurt or maimed in some way. I don't know that to be true. The Bible seems to describe him as being left-handed, so I'm going to go with the Bible where it says he was left-handed. But again, this man here was a left-handed man, but he was a very wise and crafty kind of a man. I'd like you to turn to Judges chapter 20. It's interesting, it seems somewhat genetically, and I'm not saying this for certain or sure, but it seems like the tribe of Benjamin was made of some uh, left-handed men. And these left-handed men were very, very valiant men. 
And uh, again, we find, that we find this also in Judges chapter 20 and uh, verse number 14 through verse number 16. I just want to read these verses here. We find 700 valiant left-handed men. Uh, Judges chapter 20, verse number 14, it says, The children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time of the cities, 20 and 6,000 men that drew the sword besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all these people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. And the men of Benjamin, besides that, were, and it mentions some more things, but it mentions 700 left-handed men who could sling stones and not miss. And so, again, these were very, very, um, what do you want to call it, very, uh, uh, very, difficult men maybe to uh, fight against. These were men, again, who were very skilled in combat. And uh, they were left-handed men here, as mentioned in the Bible. They're of the tribe of Benjamin. Let's turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, just going forward here a little bit in your Bibles. Again, good to, uh, again, read through the Bible, study the Bible, and see some things from the Bible. It's interesting, again, the Bible mentions, again, Ehud being a left-handed man. Again, the Bible mentions these Benjaminites, 700, that were left-handed men that were skilled, could uh, toss thrones and, and, and use stones in combat. It mentions also here in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 1 and verse number 2, that David also had some men that were skilled not only with their right hand, but also with their left hand as I talked about, ambidextrous-type men. And these were also very, uh, very skillful in combat. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 1, it says, Now these are they that came to David at Ziklag, while he had kept himself close, because Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men, helpers of war. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left hand to hurl stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. It's pretty cool, I think. I can shoot an arrow with my right hand, but I can't shoot an arrow with my left hand. I can throw pretty good with my right hand, but I can't throw very good with my left hand. And uh, you find here in the Bible some very skilled men that followed David. And uh, again, they were of the brethren of Benjamin. And so we find the Bible, uh, people using the right or the left hand. And I, again, I just think that's kind of interesting. Let's turn back there, if you would, with uh, back to Judges chapter 3. Again, these men were armed. They were uh, skillful in combat. These right-handed men, these left-handed men, these men that were able to, again, actually do things with their right and left hand. Again, you'll find if you study again the soldiers of the Bible, you'll find again some being described in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 as being agile like unto a roe or to a deer. And again, you'll find again different people used of God in the Bible. Um, but we're looking at Ehud here tonight. Ehud was raised up by God. Verse number 15, uh, to present 
not only to be a deliverer, as it mentions there in verse number 15, but also to bring a present to the then king, Eglon. The same king who had reigned there, verse number 14, 18 years. The same king in verse number 12 that the Lord strengthened uh, to basically chasten the people there. And so this king, again, certainly was no friend of Israel. And so we find in the Bible, God raised up someone to destroy this king. And so here's where it comes to the craftiness of Ehud. And again, I'm not going to be able to look at this maybe like I'd like to hear tonight, but you'll see again from verse number 16, following you'll find Ehud has a plan for not only destroying the king, but also that of uh, going to battle. And it's all uh, shown here in these verses to follow. But let's first of all look up, look at uh, God raising up a crafty man. He's crafty in two ways. Uh, verse number 16, it says, But Ehod made him a dagger. He made him a dagger. That's not, you know, maybe so regular, but I think it's interesting he made himself a dagger. He didn't find a dagger. He didn't buy a dagger. He made him a dagger. And a dagger is, you know, similar to a small sword. And uh, the Bible describes that this dagger having two edges. And it talks about the length being about a cubit. And so a cubit is from the tip of your finger to your elbow. That's a cubit. It's about 18 to 21 inches. And so he, he made this dagger for one purpose. What was that purpose for this dagger? It was to kill the king of Moab. It was to kill the king of Moab. Now someone says, well, that's, that's not a good thing. Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 13. That is a good thing if it's part of God's plan, if that's part of what God wants to see done. Uh, these oppressors were put in a position of leadership over God's people to some degree because God allowed for it. And uh, I'd just like to read a verse here in Romans chapter 13, verse number 4, concerning a sword. What is a sword to be used for or could be used for? Romans chapter 13, verse 4, it says, For he, speaking of those, again, positions of authority or government, is to be a minister to God for thee to good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And so what could a sword be used for? To execute wrath upon a person that does evil. That's what a government could use it for. But also you find in the Bible that Eod made a sword for this purpose. Let's turn to Psalm 149, a sword. Now, today you'll hear thoughts sometimes about people having their guns, so to speak. You know, in America, you know, a guy has his gun or whatever it might be. Uh, in Bible times, people would have a sword or they'd have a dagger. Psalm 149 here, in verse number 4, it says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand, to execute vengeance upon the heathen, and punishment upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, 
to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. Mentions there is kind of interesting. He talks about the saints in verse number 5 and says, have a two-edged sword in their hand. For what purpose? To execute vengeance upon the heathen. And so let's turn back to our text. What was Ehud chosen for? Chosen, he was chosen to deliver God's people from a tyrant type of a leader. Now it doesn't describe here what Eglon did, but you'll find again with any kind of king back there in Old Testament times when they had servants or slaves, they didn't treat those servants or slaves well. On the Egyptian tyranny, they were put to death at times for different things. Uh, you find again they, they fought against uh, again uh, those fought in those different situations, but we find him here first of all with a dagger that he made. We see him secondly being chosen to be a deliverer. We also see him chosen to bring a present to the king. And uh, why? What's going to happen when he brings this present to the king? Well, you see in verse number nineteen, it says there. Well, let's read verse 18. When he had made a, an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present, but he himself turned again to the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And he came unto him, and he was sitting in the summer parlor which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he rose out of his seat. And so I just want to show you a few things here as we continue on. We see Ehud here suggests to have a special kind of errand that he's, uh, again, wanting the king to be involved with. And again, it mentions that in verse 19. It says, I have a secret errand Unto thee. In other words, I have a secret kind of communication. I have a secret kind of uh, thing I, I want to talk to you about. I want to have a private meeting, a private conversation, that sort of thing. And you find there in verse number 19, it says, And all that stood by him went out from him. And so, again, when he asks about this, then they think, Well, can the king and this guy are going to have a talk together? But again, this was a plot by Ehud to kill the king. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. I say he's crafty because he brings a present to him. It doesn't identify what the present was. It does identify that a few different individuals were carrying that present, so uh, we would have to probably think that that present was of value or certainly was something heavy or was an object of some kind. But uh, notice here in Proverbs chapter 18 what it says about uh, gifts here. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Proverbs 18, verse number 16, it says, A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. A man's gift maketh room for him. And so, again, Eglon was able to stand before I mean, sorry, Ehud was able to stand before Eglon during this situation because he brought a gift to him. Let's turn back to our text there. He was sent on a special mission to be a deliverer for God, but also to send a present to the king. 
bring this present the king brought, brought I believe him an opportunity to have maybe some favor with the king and again you see as a result of this again Ehud here and Eglon get together and uh, let's pick up at verse number 20 it says and Ehud came unto him and he was sitting in the summer parlor which he had for himself and Ehud said I have a message from God unto thee and he arose from his seat. So the king arises, he gets up. And again, that's interesting in the Bible. I mean, there's some people that may know, have made note of that in com commentaries, that this king stands up when he's told there's a message of God. You know, there's sometimes very little respect for the word of God, but this king stands up when he's told that. He arose out of his seat. But we see here in the Bible a private slaying of Eglon that takes place there. It says, And Eod put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into Eglon. That's the Moabite king's belly. And the half also went in after the blade and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly and the dirt came out. Now that's Kind of gross, kind of depicting whatever you want to say there. But this very fat king ended up having this handmade dagger put through his belly. And again, uh, with great force. I can't imagine the force that took place. But a left-handed man took this dagger and, and just stuck it right through him. And right to the hilt of the dagger. And I'm just saying, it's a private slaying, a slaying that takes place. It's a surprise slaying that takes place. And it doesn't seem like, if you read on here, that anybody knew what happened there. There was no screaming that took place as far as the king is concerned. It may be that he was so shocked by the situation. He was told, I have a message from God unto thee. And the message is, you're done. It's over. Your life is gone. Death came that day to this king. He was slayed by this deliverer. And he was slayed by this deliverer. This deliverer is a very crafty kind of man. He created his own sword. He is able to find himself, get before the king. He slays him privately. And he's able to slip out after this and lock the door. Verse number 23, it says, Then Ead went forth from the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon it and locked them. And when he was gone out, his servants came and when they saw they, that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, surely he covered his, seat, his feet in his somber chamber. And so uh, the expression using covering his uh, feet, I believe, means that he was sleeping. So they thought he was just sleeping or napping. And so they're not going to enter his, his, his summer parlor, which was a place of rest there and refuge there. And so... They just leave him there. And then verse 25, it says, and, and they tarried there till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Uh, therefore, they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. So they see them there. And I'm sure the dagger's still in him. He's dead. Eon slips away. He gets away. He's not going to run away and just kill one person, and that's the end of that. Keep in mind, he's a deliverer for God's people from the oppression that they were under. They called to God and asked for someone to help in this situation. 
And God sent this left-handed man to, to come to their rescue and to their help. I want to pick up there in verse number uh, 28. I want to look at Ead now, not just being crafty, but being courageous. I said Ead was a crafty and courageous man. See his courage here. Verse number 27, it says, And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount, and he before them. How would he do that? This had to be planned. I, I think this had to be planned. I mean, he blows a trumpet. Why is he blowing a trumpet? Well, they must know that when he blows a trumpet, that means the king's dead. It's time to go to battle. It's time to fight. And so we see this here in the Bible. In verse number 28, it says, And he said after them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward, the, toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab of that time 10,000 men, all lusty, all men of valor, and they escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. And the land had rest four score years. We see Ehud here, and I just want to mention him as a very courageous and bold leader. He himself blows the trumpet. He himself leads them in battle. In verse number 27, he calls for these men through this trumpet call to go with them. They went down with them out of the mount, and he before them. So he's going to lead them in battle. Yod is definitely courageous. He is definitely crafty. And he's going to lead them to victory. And so we see there in the Bible, 10,000 men killed on that day. Verse number 29, 10,000 men, all lusty. Can I look at that word lusty? And from what I can tell, it means to be someone full of vigor and strength, large. These are large, strong, vigorous types of men. And they were all slain at that time. All men of valor. So 10,000 men of Moab taken down. And they're escaped. The Bible says not a man. Not anybody escaped again at this time. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land rested fourscore years. Interesting, before they rested 40 years, now it's fourscore years. It's twice as long, 80 years. And so we see God raise up this crafty and courageous man to lead Israel, and he led them for a number of years. We don't know exactly, uh, again, how long for sure he led them. But uh, let's pick up there in chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. They did evil again when he was dead. Sad to see, but it seems like a repeat cycle here. God raised up this man again to deliver them, to bring them back to God and to follow in the word of God. And they turned back to evil again. What can we learn from Ehud? Well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to close here uh, pretty soon here. I'm almost done here tonight. What, what can we learn from Ehud? I believe we need to be people that are, are smart and wise. And uh, again, the, the world can be smart. They can be wise in, in maybe a bad way. Uh, but in, in Matthew chapter 10, the Bible describes again Christians. Here it says... Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents, harmless 
as doves, yesterday harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. If I would describe Ehud, it was definitely someone very wise, maybe like unto a, a serpent. He's wise as a military man. He's wise as a leader. He went after the king himself. He slayed the king. And then he blew the trumpet and called people to follow after him. And then he went forth to victory with God's power and in God's time. We see also in Ehud, someone again who stepped up courageously at a time when people needed a leader. Let's turn back there to Judges chapter 3. He said here simply these words here. In verse number 28, as he led in battle, he says, he said unto them, follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered the enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And so follow after me. He simply told them to come and imitate what he was about to do. He inspired them to go into battle with him. The New Testament tells us to follow after others as they follow after Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 1 and 2. And then what else can we learn? We can learn to realize that God can right wrongs. We can realize that repentance can lead to God coming back and giving us mercy again. We can pray, as the Bible says here in verse number 15, for someone to help us in times of deliverance. Verse 15, Judges 3.15, But the children of Israel cried on the Lord, and the Lord raised up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gerar, a Benjamite, a man left hand, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. And we read the rest of the story there as we see this Ehud being very good for this people during this time. Again, just looking at Ehud here tonight, a man who is crafty and courageous. And those aren't necessarily bad qualities to have. Those are good qualities to have. And so, again, we see these in this man here tonight. Let's close together as we learn a little bit more about the judges. God gave this judge to these people at this time to be a help to them.